sermon podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Normally at this point in our service, we go into the prayers of the people, but today we're going to flip the service around a bit and we're going to pray at the end. Pastor Jade is sick um, and he thought, especially in the season of COVID, it would be better that he not be here. Amen. And so we will pray for him. Uh, But this morning, Roy Folletti, a former pastor and a current ministry worker, um, is going to be bringing the word about repentance. And uh, so, Roy, I'd like to welcome you to the stage. If you guys would, give Roy support. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It is a real privilege and honor. Um, of course, I say that everywhere I go, anytime I speak, but it, it, uh, it is truly, truly a privilege to be up here this morning. Uh, I had planned to speak for about six minutes, and uh, that's hard for me to do, very hard for me to do. Well, an Italian. He said, former pastor, Italian, so I've got, I like to talk, I like to talk with my hands, which makes it really hard when you don't have a pulpit to hold on to and a stand, so I'll do my best not to get too wild. But uh, uh, in situations like that, I always practice and make sure that I have the five minutes, six minutes, and so I, I was kind of not proud of myself, just thankful. I said, Lord, thank you. This is not like me, because mid-afternoon, I was done, ready to roll, and then I get this call from Jonathan, actually a text, kind of a, um, a gray text, if you could call it that. Uh, the message wasn't ultimately clear. Could you maybe take 15 or 20 minutes? And I'm going, okay, what does that mean? So finally, I called him, and... and uh, the rest is history, so let's remember Pastor Jade this morning, but it is a real privilege to be here today. I'd like to just open up with a quick word of prayer, asking the Lord to just anoint my lips, our ears this morning. This topic is not a fun topic. It is so biblical, so biblical, but it's not something that's popular in our culture today. And thank God for this church where it's preached, but yet it's not. When I became a Christian, it was understood in culture what the word repent meant, Uh, what the word grief and sorrow meant. But we live in a totally different culture today where we really don't know what it means uh, to be sorry. It's just a different world today. So uh, if we ever needed repentance in our nation, in the church for that matter, it is today. So just pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this uh, great day you've given us. Thank you for your greatness Thank you that you are here in our midst. Lord, you are with us wherever we go, whatever we do. Lord, this morning I just ask you to use these lips, Lord, uh, as you would see fit to speak. You have uh, helped me prepare, but Lord, uh, this is your time, your service. So, Father, may I be your vessel this morning. And thank you for everyone that's here. I pray your hand would be upon them, that they would hear what needs to be spoken. Those that are not here this morning, Lord, that... Uh, can't be or other things we just pray for them as well that your hand would be upon them and lord also we pray for the corporate body of christ all across this nation today that your hand would be upon them as well in jesus name we pray amen well you may not be aware of this but today is what has 
been labeled recently, labeled is probably a poor term, as Repentance Sunday. John Stone Street from the Colson Center is a good friend of mine, and I listen to his Breakpoint regularly and just happened to hear on his program earlier this week that uh, a group of uh, leaders all across the nation came together in, uh, I believe it was July, and then for seven straight weeks, they prayed and really sought the Lord about what they could do as a group, as individuals, what the church needed to do, what they felt like could be done for our nation. So they came together, and if you want to throw that first screen up, uh, Denise, please. Uh, And this is what they said, over seven weeks we sought God and were both humbled and strengthened in our resolve to put aside all strategies for societal renewal except the powerful move of God. And uh, the origins of this idea were from this time they spent together. And so, therefore, they came up with uh, this day. It happens to be Yom Kippur in the, in the Jewish calendar. And they felt like this would be a very good day for the church to come together corporately and uh, repent or discuss repentance, talk about our nation, where we are in our nation, and so on. And as I was thinking about this, uh, you know, it's it's really, it's one thing to talk about a subject, and Jonathan, you can relate to this. Anybody that's ever, even if you've just led a Bible study, it's one thing, and I don't want to say it's easy, but you can talk about something, but then to really feel something is a totally different story. And I don't want to make it sound this morning like we live on feelings. Again, we live in a world that lives by feelings. We don't think anymore. It's just we feel this and we run after it, whether it's good, bad, or whatever it is. We don't take the time to think. Repentance actually involves taking the time to think. Now, it's not just a mental exercise, nor is it just an emotional exercise. But by the grace of God, it's a meeting of both, where there's a mental understanding and there's an emotional grief and sorrow that come together and produce what really is only found in Christianity, and that is repentance that brings life. So if you'd put that first screen up there, please, with the definition, and forgive me, I'm going to have to grab water. Did that sound really good over the microphone? It, it was, let me tell you. I don't know if you've seen that commercial. Uh, just a little bit of levity here, okay? No more, I promise. I don't know if you've seen that commercial uh, where the guy's out in the desert just, uh, it, he has no water and he's beating at the sand and a plane comes and drops this ice chest of water and he goes up to it and looks at it, oh, disgusted. And then the guy comes with that, I don't I used to use it all the time, I'm water. It's a little drop that you put in to flavor the water. And that was his lifesaver right there. So I have my flavored water this morning that I flavor. Um, but let's look at the definition and, 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 and then the meaning. And you may wonder, what's the difference between a definition and a meaning? It's one thing to have a definition. The meaning then really puts it into what it is in reality in our lives, how we apply it. So it means to think differently. And a change of mind and purpose and life. And the meaning in practical life is sorrow for sin and a turning away from sin, but a turning toward God at the same time. I mentioned earlier the two, the mind, and you can see here how 
the, uh, if you can go back to that screen again, please, I'm sorry, my bad. I will, you're being, you guys are so gracious back there. I, I will be a trial to you, I can guarantee you this morning. Um, but but the, the two coming together, but it's, it's a change of mind. Now, how many of you have ever changed your mind about something? Let me raise your hand. That's not necessarily repentance. How many of you have ever felt sorry about something like, man, I just spent a thousand bucks and that was stupid? <laughs> That's not necessarily repentance either, but you might grieve over that for weeks or months, depending on what your budget has in it. I read one definition that I thought was really good that um, in New Testament times, this was used for the soldiers that would be marching in one direction and would take an about turn and go in the completely opposite direction that they were going. How many of you have children in the room? Let me see your hands. Yeah, how many of them uh, you've ever had to correct? You don't have to raise your hands. It's stupid. I mean, we know we've had to correct our children, right? And not only that, I know you won't have to raise your hand on this one. When Johnny is picking on Susie and Johnny is caught and mom or dad says, Johnny, you go apologize to your sister right now. I'm sorry. You know what I'm talking about? That's not repentance. But I bet you you've also seen a time where Johnny and Susie were playing and Johnny accidentally tripped Susie. Now, there are times he probably did it on purpose. This time was an accident. She falls down. He thinks her whole body is full of blood and she just has a little scratch, has a little bit of blood, and he freaks out. Mom, I'm so sorry. I just tripped you. I'm so sorry. You see the difference? And we, so that's childish. But I can tell you one thing, as adults, we don't grow out of those same tendencies. And so it's so important that we recognize that we have offended God, every last human being that has ever been born since Adam has offended God. No matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter your social status, race, anything else, it does not matter. We're all on even ground. We have all offended God. The scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God for the price that Jesus paid. And this is where repentance is so unique in Christianity. In all other religions, there may be things that you do to make up for that sin, that you work your way into being forgiven. In Christianity, it's not works. The price has been paid by Jesus Christ, but yet we still have our part, and that is confession and repentance. Let's go to the next slide, please. You're doing great back there. Thank you, Denise. Um, there is also a difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. I think Paul says it so well here in 2 Corinthians. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. I've never regretted repenting. Never. Never have I looked back and said, man, that was, what a bummer. I, I really wish I wouldn't have said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I, I need to do something about that. I've never regretted that. Now, I can tell you I've regretted not repenting at times in my salvation, as you probably have as well, and then I've gone back and done it. Not once have I ever regretted that step of faith that God gave me that day that I repented of my sins. 
But the world brings sorrow. The Bible even says that Judas repented. He, he grieved over what he had done, but then went out and decided that his life would be taken by himself at that point. So there is a vast difference between the sorrow of the world and godly sorrow. Let's go to the next slide, please. This is so important, foundational uh, and foundational, I should say. Repentance is absolutely foundational in the New Testament. Now, here's where I take out my $50 dollar store glasses. Did you catch that? <laughs> to read. Uh, I feel it's important. I know we could have it all on the screen. and You can read with me if you like. But uh, you're going to see in Scripture so easily that there is a pattern that flows all the way through Scripture in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. In Matthew chapter 3, this is John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus, the first thing Jesus preached, and I have these markers here so that I would find it easily. And notice that it's not as easy as I thought it would be. So in Matthew chapter 4, I love this. It's right after uh, Jesus was tempted and uh, the Holy Spirit leads him into temptation. Out of temptation, the angels comfort him. And in verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Sounds a little bit uh, repetitive, doesn't it? Then we turn to the book of Mark and here Jesus is sending out the 12 apostles primarily to the uh, Jews, to the nation of Israel, to preach to the nation of Israel. And in verse 12, it says this, so they went out and preached that people should repent. And we like this part. They cast out many demons, anointed them with oil. Many were sick and they healed. And that is fantastic. But the main thing that the gospel was preached at that point was they went out and said that men should repent. Peter on the day of Pentecost, one of my favorites, I think, because of the boldness and the change that we see in the life of Peter at that time, uh, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, he found his time of repentance with Jesus over uh, uh, what he had done. And let me just throw this in. Peter is a prime example to every one of us in here that there is no sin too great that God cannot forgive. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, Lord willing, but I, about the world and ungodliness. But let's just, let me just, just take a quick diversion here because Satan is the chief liar. And, you know, every one of us have different consciences. Some are easily um, persuaded of sin that isn't sin. Others, you have to, and it, again, just like children, there's a makeup that all of us have that's emotional, and we respond to things differently. Some children cry at the drop of a hat. Uh, some adults do. You know what I'm talking about. That's not bad. That's our makeup. That's the way God has made us. But the enemy, after a while, gets to know how we think, how we act, uh, what bothers us, what our, 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 our buttons are that he needs to push. 
And many times when you miss God, and you will, I mean, that is a guarantee right here. I can guarantee you if you haven't, something is wrong in your life right now because you will miss God. And there will be times that you need to come back to him and ask him for forgiveness. And in those times, the enemy brings tremendous guilt and it's not conviction. There is a vast difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That leads to life. The condemnation of the enemy leads to death. Now, what do you, what do you, you say, well, what do you mean by life and death? I'm still alive. I mean in your mind. Life is what? It's life. There's, there's a vigor. There's joy. You, 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 you want to live. Death is the exact opposite of that, where there's depression, there's defeat. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to his people and let them think that they don't have that place that they can go to in that time of need to find that forgiveness. Let me tell you this morning, the grace of God is rich. All he is asking you is to come, admit, and even before the words are out of your mouth, he is right there, rich to forgive and to lift you up. Don't let the enemy condemn you when you miss God. Peter is a prime, prime example of God's forgiveness. In Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read a little bit more than what's up on the screen there. Uh, well, nothing's on the screen, but I think I just have a couple of verses there. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. By the way, Peter is preaching to some of the people that were there during the crucifixion and probably some of them that actually helped with the crucifixion. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter answered them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what stands out to me there besides the fact that they said, what shall we do? there was something that happened in their hearts before they even said, what shall we do? It said they were cut in their hearts. Now, when I became a Christian, I had the King James Bible and I think the New American Standard. I remember going into a Bible bookstore, newly saved. I could take you to that place now. It's not there anymore, but I could take you to where I bought my first Bible. I walked in there. I, I mean, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. So I said, I wanna buy a Bible. What kind? Uh, uh, and I, I don't think I'm exaggerating, <laughs> maybe slightly, but I really didn't know what kind. So they gave me a King James because back then we didn't have NIV. We didn't have NET. We didn't have God's Word. We didn't have, I mean, we had God's Word, but not the God's Word version. We didn't have all these versions we have today. All that to say, I thought, you know, before I use this scripture, I had better see what all the other versions say. Oh, man, let me tell you pierced, deeply troubled, deep conviction, stricken, distressed, deeply upset. So the word of God came, it had that emotional effect, and then what do we do? Peter gives them the response, they repent, and then the Holy Spirit falls. 
I'm not going to take the time to read this one, Acts chapter 17. I would encourage you to take the time to read the whole chapter. Paul is basically stuck in Athens, and Athens is the city of a million gods, and, and I'm exaggerating slightly, but many, and he was stirred, and he began to preach to them from where they were, where they lived, their culture. He looked at their culture, began to use their culture to preach the word of God to them. And he began to tell them all of this, and then he said, now there was a time that God kind of overlooked some of these things. The King James says he winked at it. I think the NIV says he overlooked it. But then Paul says, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent. I should have actually read this. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world, and I love this, in righteousness by Jesus Christ. Another scripture, God isn't willing, Peter preached this, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Then he says, nevertheless, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Let's go to the next slide, please. So I want you to bear in mind, I'm going to come back to that cut to all the heart here uh, towards the end. Repentance is a gift from God. I did not get up one morning and say, you know what, tonight at church I'm going to repent. As a matter of fact, uh, and I want to emphasize here again, you may think I've never really felt a horrible sorrow, guilt, and, 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 and I, I, I don't want you to get hung up on just the feeling part because Satan can trip you up that way as well. What I do want you to think about, if you've never really grieved or felt sorry about your sin, then you need to say, Lord, help me feel that grief. Help me to repent. Give me that gift. But don't get hung up if you didn't have a great sorrow. Um, again, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I got saved at a time that uh, the Jesus people movement was going on, and we had church every night. Uh, we, the, the, the guy that I rode to church in with had an old Volkswagen van, and uh, we rode, goodness, about 35 miles to this place where we met together. One night in June, we're driving home. I'd been going for a week, and one of them said to me, Roy, do you want to be saved? Yeah. Okay. We pulled over, and again, I could take you to the very exit. We pulled over. Totally different now. There's a ton of buildings around. I could take you to that exit. And they said, okay, let's pray. Okay. And I didn't know how to pray, so all I said was, God, forgive me. And I meant it. I meant it from the depths of my heart. And I will say there was a change. Then about a week later, I was, I was in my early teen, mid-teens. Um, Cedron, I don't see him here this morning. He talks about his mouth and how it got him in trouble. Every time he says that, I can relate to that because I was so small. I was loud and stupid. That's all I can say. And I had a horribly foul mouth, horribly foul mouth. So we're out at this orchard. I'm working a summer job thinning cherries. I'm on a ladder. The guy next to me says something to me. To this day, I don't know what he said, but he made me mad. He probably called me short stuff or something like that because I usually, usually would get me going. I don't remember the words I used, and if I did, I wouldn't obviously repeat them to you, but I can tell you that it, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spoke, and it was not, God bless you, thank you for saying that to me. I was very angry, and I'll tell you what, as soon as that happened, 
I felt a conviction like I had never felt before. So that night we go to church. One of the, one of the friends that I'd been going with that knew the Lord, he said, hey, Roy, why don't you go up front and pray that your parents will let you be baptized? Because it was a miracle my parents were even letting me go to this church, let alone be baptized. I said, okay. That's not why I went up front. I went up front. They gathered around me, a thousand hands laid on me. I mean, it just, and, and praying out loud. I don't even know what they said. I don't remember what I prayed. But I do remember this. It was a different prayer than I'd prayed the week before because then I felt that guilt. And again, I don't want to emphasize too much on feeling this morning, but it is very important that you understand there must be some sorrow for sin or you don't understand, we don't understand the price that Christ paid for us. It's a gift of God. It is a gift of God. Uh, let's go to the next slide. Matter of fact, I kind of forgot where I am. Yeah, let's skip over that. Uh, you can... Let's go to the next one too, please. Repentance is relational. It is the doorway to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Without it, Jesus said, I am the door. But let me just put it this way. You can't get to that door or get through that door without repentance. But it's also the door to relationships. You that are married know you have to say you're sorry more than once in your relationship, right? Pardon me? Oh, my goodness. It's a good thing it's dark. And I'm not sure who has said that, or I could have a lot of fun with that one. But I won't. I won't. We have to. And it's on work. Wherever we are, repentance is the doorway to relationships. And I marvel today. Uh, I've been in ministry for years. And when I say ministry, some ministry jobs, not necessarily church. But, but I marvel. My wife works in a secular job. And she'll come home and tell me some things. And I just marvel how it, in this day and age, people don't understand. It's always somebody else's fault. It's not, the, it, it's not their fault. Well, isn't that weird? Doesn't that sound a little bit like the Garden of Eden? Place blame. Now, what I'd like to do, and I'm, I'm Jonathan Resides, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the clock, but I'm going to take just a wee bit more. But I'll be good. I just loved it a few weeks ago when I was sitting back there and Jade said, hey, Jonathan, I'm going to go a little bit over. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I thought, oh, poor Jonathan. Good thing he's got his mask on because I'm sure he's going, oh, really? And then we happened to have to clean at that, at that service. And so we're running around wild. Everybody's wanting to come in. So I promise you it won't be that way today. But now I want to talk about corporate repentance. And that's what we want to pray about today. Yeah. I've really taken more time individually. And I feel like it's been the Lord. Uh, if not, blame me. But um, I, I really didn't intend to take that much time on individual repentance. But it's done. And I'm not sorrowful. I'm not going to repent because I did that. <laughs> Daniel is probably one of the most, and if I say revered, understand it's not in the sense of the way that we revere Christ. Respected is probably a better term. Men in the Bible. To my knowledge, I've never been able to find any fault where God says 
or is recorded like there is about Moses, like there is about Peter, like there is about many of who we call saints, and they were saints, but we find that they, they had faults, and they're recorded in Scripture. It's what I love about Scripture. It tells it as it is. We don't find that for Daniel. But Daniel lived in a time when his nation had been taken captive. He was one of the captives. And Daniel knew the word of God, and he read the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, I think it was 70 years your people are going to be delivered. And he goes, oh, my goodness. Whoa, we are there. We're there. And if that was me, I would have been going, praise God, we're there. Woo-hoo! Shouting. Daniel recognizes, years ago I heard this term used by a prisoner when I did prisoner, prison ministry. I've never forgotten it. Seriosity. It's not a word, but I love that. Daniel recognized the seriosity of the matter. And would you put that next slide up, please, of Daniel's prayer? And uh, unfortunately, in, the, in, in these slides, it didn't come through. But what I would like you to see is how many times he says, we. Daniel was a man that had not sinned. At least scripture doesn't record it. I'm sure he sinned because he was human, but doesn't record it. But look at how Daniel prays for his nation. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets. We are covered with shame because of our unfaithfulness to you. I think there's one more. Yes. We and our kings, our princes, our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept his laws he gave us. Now, I took liberty there to leave a lot of space. That's, that's uh, about five verses there. But that has always stood out to me, how Daniel basically took upon himself the sin of the nation and did not shirk it off and say, well, I'm not doing that. I, it's not my fault we're here in rebellion. And didn't twist the promise of God for positive. He, twist, he, he looked at it and recognized, oh my goodness, it's the mercy of God. We're still alive. And yet God has given us that promise. And the doorway to that promise was this repentance. I think I have the slide there, Denise of America. Yes. Look what we lead the world in. Illegal and prescription drug use, murder, total crimes, incarceration, creation and distribution of pornography, divorce, abortion. And uh, this one always gets me because I can tell you, I'm pro-life, I've been pro-life for years, but I don't grieve the way I need to for this. I'll be honest with you. And I say, Lord, help me grieve. 85 in an hour since the time we've been here, the average in our nation. Now, I want to go back to being cut to the heart does that pierce you? Does that make you deeply troubled? Do you have deep conviction? Are you stricken? Are you acutely distressed? Are you deeply upset? And I'll tell you, I'm not. I'm not standing here 
throwing out to you saying you better feel some of these emotions because these things must come from God because of all the distractions we have in our world. But it's the way I've been turning my prayers recently, actually the last few years, not just since everything's happened in 2020. I had a friend, you know, it wasn't a friend. I heard a pastor say, I don't know how long ago it was, but he said, we need to pray that God will give us the gift of repentance. I've never forgotten that because I thought, oh God, we need repentance. We need it in the church. We need it in our nation, especially now because, again, everybody, you know, the scripture that talks about how everything, they walked in the ways that they thought was right in their own eyes. We are, we are there in our nation today. And so I want to go to the next screen. And what I'd like us to do, and please understand, this isn't to heap condemnation, but let me just say this. Uh, and, and it may be offensive, and if it is, just pray over it, pray for me. I either see God bringing revival or judgment to our nation. Maybe both. But I, I pray, God, would you bring mercy? I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it as a nation. But would you please bring it, Lord? Would you give us the gift of repentance? Would you have mercy on our leaders? Would you help our leaders understand their need? Uh, would you help us to surrender as we need to to you? So let's look at the next slide. And I want to take just about 30 seconds. And what I'd like you to do, and unfortunately, we'll have to do it in two, two uh, slides. But we're going to pray this, and this will be our prayer this morning. But just take a look at that now, and uh, I'll, let, I'll tell Denise when to move it. And as you're looking at it, just think about our nation today. And let's go to the next one, Denise, please. And now let's go to the next one. All right, let's go back. And if everybody would stand with me, and I know this is a little bit abnormal, but this is going to be our prayer before Jonathan comes. This is our corporate prayer this morning. Jonathan is going to lead us to the table. We're going to pray this out loud together. And let's just take from it the way that we can personally repent, but also uh, we can be in prayer as Daniel was for his nation. Now, Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Jonathan, I'm going to turn it over to you at this point. Thank you, Roy. Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. 
For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.